0: Um, should we get this going?
1: You're like a regular MC over there.
0: Wiki Wiki Wiki
1: <laughs> <laughs>
0: Welcome to the No Budget Filmmaking podcast, presented by Cinema Summit, a podcast about the art of making films, no matter how small the budget. And now, here are your hosts. Alex Dark and Trevor
1: L. Nelson. Hey everyone, thanks for joining us. This is episode 7 of the No Budget Filmmaking Podcast. I am Alex Dark. And I am Trevor L. Nelson. And today we are going to be talking about the wonderful world
0: of film festivals.
1: Yes, magical.
0: Ooh, so magical. Everyone wants to know about them. Everyone wants to be at them, wants to be in them. So People true. love them, some film festivals.
1: Yes, they do. But first, what are we drinking today, Alex? Uh, I'm sipping on the cool, cool, refreshing beverage, also known as um, Miller Lite. Ah, just refreshing. It's the champagne of beers.
0: That's Miller High Life, but you know what, I'll forgive you. Miller High Life was my jam growing up, um, um, so I, I take, I take so offense to that. Of so <laughs> this is
1: the Andre of beers?
0: This is the Andre of beers. This is like uh, the champagne of beers. Funny second cousin. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Still fun to be around. You don't drink it all the time, but when you do, you realize how much you missed it.
1: Yep. That sounds about right. Yeah, that's Miller.
0: Um, okay, so what's new with us? Um, well, the unexciting news of business finances. Um, yeah. You know, we keep saying out in this podcast that movie making, filmmaking is a business, and with a business comes finances
1: yeah that's always fun so so. we've been working through our finances and uh balancing the old spreadsheets yep what not checkbooks
0: using the abacus to (laughs) kind of the slide slide some uh, finances over but uh
1: that's always fun
0: yeah i'm not gonna bore you anymore we've been doing our finances and we both just want to go to sleep
1: yep yeah we do Uh, so other than that we're still waiting on spotify to approve us for some reason Spotify, get on it, come on! I know, uh,
0: I've been reading a lot, and it seems to be that Spotify is kind of the newest uh, player in the game of podcasts, and they're kind of... Just to the punches, it seems. Some people say it's a backlog, some people say their uh, infrastructure's not set up yet, but we'll wait patiently, because we're on the, everything else.
1: Perhaps they just forgot about it, they, they were like, oh, yeah, we can, we can take podcasts, and then they just never check it.
0: I thought you were going to say they forgot about us, which would be even more realistic, because yeah, they probably, were just like, that's probably very these true. guys have two people... Who listen to their podcast? One including is including the themselves, yeah, including themselves. <laughs> so their mothers don't even listen to it. Um, no, Come <laughs> I just on, I, mom. I just sent my mom the transcript. She's like, "That's sweet. That's cute. Um, That's cute." Yeah. So yeah, we're still waiting for Spotify. Thank you to everyone else who's listening to us on iTunes, Stitcher, Google Play, um, Podbean,
1: you know, Podbean, all NoBudgetFilmmaking dot com.
0: Yeah, there's so many avenues. We don't need you, Spotify. No, please, please just approve us.
1: Yeah, please quickly, quickly. Uh, another thing we did uh, recently was this project, I, I talked about it a little bit before, it's kind of a green screen, uh, talking head type show for YouTube, yeah, and we just finished it.
0: Yeah, we uh, what, we do seven episodes? Yeah. Seven episodes of it, um, maybe get in there and They're do about, a sizzle.
1: About six to ten minutes long. Six to ten minutes long. Green screen, Two graphics. Two days shoot. Yeah, the, uh, whole, the whole shebang, stand-up comedy type. Deal. We did it all, and
0: it's going to push out there. We'll probably put up a link to it when it's up, depending on how we feel about it. (laughs) Yeah. I'd
1: like to point out, or just make it clear, that it's not us. No. We were hired to do this project, and so we shot it and then did all the post-production on it.
0: There's a reason we do a podcast and not a video podcast, because other people go on camera. Us on camera, no bueno.
1: Well, yeah.
0: Except we do stick ourselves in front of cameras for Cinema Summit, but that's another day to see and scream. Yes, and then also uh, we are in the process of uh, you know it's the new age of live shows these days. Uh, we, uh, through Larry's streaming, production, yeah, is th- what
1: they call it nowadays. <laughs> Trevor oh. streaming.
0: Oh, is that what they call it? Okay, I just thought it was magic computer box video. Yeah. Um. So yeah, we uh, Larry's production company is doing a um, uh, live Facebook and Vimeo show, thirty minutes uh, live show. Larry's in Interview. his element.
1: Thirty-minute um, live interview, right?
0: Yep, and he's in his element. He loves it, um, probably because he likes to get in, and get out, and be done with the show in thirty minutes. <laughs>
1: yeah, he constantly talks about live like as if it was the the golden, you know, egg of of television. You know, it's yeah. like he longs the for the golden live
0: egg. <laughs> you never wanted a golden. egg? I wanted the golden goose that laid the golden egg, not the you know.
1: I guess. Um <laughs> CNN to him was the golden goose that laid the golden egg of live that television. That bought him a house in Beverly Hills. Yeah, something there like that. There you go. Um yeah, so he uh it's streaming, you know, it's
0: Larry's still trying to wrap his head around the whole streaming to Vimeo and Facebook. Um he gets Facebook. I don't know about Vimeo, but um he's doing yeah. it. He's killing it. Um it's fun to do it. You know, it's kinda of one of those things. We uh the normal shows that we do are live live to tape. And so for those who don't know it, that means we Edit it live with a switcher. Uh, we use a TriCaster, and we edit it live, and then go in and clean it up a little bit before we push it out to air. But uh, this one's kind of kind of fun. Just uh, whatever. There's a little bit more pressure. Yeah, um, we've had a little a couple setbacks, but we powered through them, and yeah, it's been it's uh, interesting. always
1: exciting. Yeah, let's just say that.
0: Yeah, whether we like it or not.
1: Yep. All right, I think that's about it, huh? Uh, Is there yeah. anything else new? No, we're Probably boring. Not. Yeah, super boring. So now we're on to the main. Topic at hand. Which hand? Uh, Both.
0: Oh, wow. Wow, that's a big topic. Yeah. Uh, Film festivals and the micro to no budget filmmaker.
1: Yeah, so how festivals work for a micro slash no budget filmmaker? It's a very interesting topic because. Especially for the no budget realm, if you're spending Mm -hmm. like two grand and under, I mean, you could spend more money on film festival submissions than you do actually on the actual movie.
0: And a lot of people, when they think they're going in with a budget of about $2,000 for their film, they're going to say, well, I can just put it on YouTube and that's kind of like my film festival. That'll get people, they'll get some peepers in front of it people will watch yeah. it and, uh, you know, I don't have to spend any money and, uh, you know, because if they're doing $2,000, they may not have a lot of money to spend after the fact. So they kind of just say, hey, YouTube, whatever, I'll put it out there and email everyone and get word of mouth. And that's great, but that rarely ever leads to something. I mean, you'll hear the, the uh, you know, the wonderful stories of people getting discovered on YouTube, shooting a short or a web series or something like that, but rarely does that ever ha- lead to something big like a, a feature film or something like that.
1: Well, really what we should say is rarely does it lead to something without the proper planning that's for true. it. Because that's true. Because most people, mm-hmm. I would say the majority of filmmakers out there are people that make videos, uh, put it up on YouTube without really a plan for what's going to happen next. Yeah, so they, they just put it up there and kind of just hope that people will come see it. And that doesn't really work. Yeah. That's not how the internet works at no. all. You know, you need to get the people there in some way, whether that's... Getting featured on some kind of big blog that pushes you out or mm-hmm. you know, just having some kind of some kind of marketing. Even if you're just putting it online
0: for free, cut a trailer. Get some people interested. Don't just when you're done with post production, you know, export
1: it out on YouTube and throw it up. Give create a little sizzle for it. Yeah, but not only that, but you would still have to get people to the trailer. That's true. So, you know, whether you're doing like YouTube ads, Facebook ads. Yep. Gotta pay um, a little bit more. Or you get like a guest blog thing that links out to it. You don't have all these sort of crazy Marketing tactics yep. like a, an actual press release or whatever, you know.
0: That being said, that money can also be used towards film festivals, and even today, film festivals are a vital tool in the, the world of no budget filmmaking. Um, Definitely, they're fantastic. They're, you know, it's one of those things that everyone is there for one reason, and that's to watch films, and so you know that the audience you're gonna get. Or somebody who's interested because they're just interested in film. They may not be interested specifically in your genre, but they'll if they like what you your marketing materials that you push out at the festival, they'll go see your film. And you know you can't say that for something you just threw up on YouTube.
1: Yeah, and they have kind of a different outlook, maybe a little bit more of a respect for the process and the art behind it or what have you. Yeah, and um, which maybe you wouldn't get necessarily on YouTube. Who knows? I mean, yeah. depends on your audience that you. Farm it out, too.
0: Yeah, and depending on your audience and how big of a reach you want, it it also depends on uh, how much you should pay to get into these film festivals. I mean, there's a wide range of film festival entry fees from $20 to... Even less than that sometimes. Yeah, sometimes depends. free. If
1: it's a short or if you're a student, yeah. you can get it in for, you know, dollars. Dollars, dollars, bills. Dollars, dollar bills. Dollar yeah. bills. Um, and what is, the, what is the entry fee
0: for something like Sundance? I'm not...
1: Um, I want to say it's in the, like, well, it depends also because festivals have different phases of entries. So you have the early bird, you have standard, you have late, you have extended, like all these different timelines that you can try to get in by. And obviously the prices go up each time in most cases. I want to say Sundance is like 60 bucks.
0: Yeah. So it's not that bad. It's, it's, you know, I'm looking at it right now. And early entry, early submission is 65 for a feature. That's not
1: bad. That's not, I mean... It's not bad. But what happens though is you're like, oh, I'm yeah. going to submit it to Sundance, but I'm also going to submit it to the top ten. Yep. And all of a sudden, you're spending six hundred dollars. Yeah, and th- and if your feature was two thousand, that's almost half the budget of your film. Mm-hmm. And then, of course, you want to sp- submit it to more than just the top ten because those ones are kind of like long shots, yeah. maybe. So you submit you it your to safety the, like, schools, the safety ones down below, and then all of a sudden you're you're spending like twelve hundred to two thousand dollars.
0: Yeah, and it, you know, it it. It's easy to justify that it's great and it's it, it's helpful for your film and you should spend it, but you may not even get in. This is just to enter your film, and you may not even be selected. Right. Um, and so
1: that you and know, really, this is stuff that you should plan for ahead of time, like mm-hmm. before you go into production on your film, you should have an idea of what you want to do with it afterwards. That's yep. kind of a big problem, that you know, early on in our film career. We dealt with this, even with feature films. It was kind of like, oh, we have this idea, or, or our friend has this idea, and we produce it, and we do all these different things. Um, but we didn't have an idea for what to do with it next, so then we were sort of caught off guard when it came to trying to yeah. submit it to festivals and or like get uh, sales agents and distributors on board.
0: Yeah. So going, going with that
1: idea, what do you consider, Alex, are
0: essential film festivals say they have a feature let's just go with feature yeah a, a no low to no budget feature mm-hmm. what are the essential film festivals you think people should enter let's just say they have they they plan for this they want to enter as many festivals as possible because they can get in and get exposure to their film
1: yeah well first of all I, this is really hard to do, do but it. I, I think people, Don't need to be, out. people need to be realistic oh, about, yeah. here about comes. their project it's the truth here it comes you know like like send it to a few people get their feedback mm-hmm. Like honest feedback. Try to send it to the people that are not going to like say, Oh my God, that's so good. I can't believe you did that. Thanks, and then mom. that's it. Yeah, thanks, mom. But that's not helpful when yeah. I'm trying to decide what I'm going to yeah. do with this because you need to be brutally honest. Because if, let's just say, it's just not a great project, you don't necessarily yeah. want to waste the money on Sundance and, and those types of things. Yeah. But you could still get it into festivals. At a different tier, you yeah. know what I mean? I
0: mean, like Sundance, everyone wants to be in Sundance. There's no doubt about that. And, you know, you'll have your friends that tell you, man, this is great. Enter it in Sundance. And like we talked about earlier, when you're writing films and all that, you want to surround yourself with people who aren't just yes-men and tell you that everything you do is great because you want constructive feedback. So... You know your film may not be perfect for Sundance; it just may not be the right fit. But there's tons of other festivals out there, like South by Southwest, which is kind of a more edgy. Um, you know they they like to take on new emerging talent and stuff like that in their yeah. film festival. Um, there's tons of film festivals out there. Um, and the Austin so Austin
1: Film Festival, Austin Film Festival, Slam Dance. You got yeah. like the Newport beach film festival yeah
0: don't limit yourself to these big ones um you know you may think that oh you want to go to all these festivals um you don't have to go to every festival you just want to get exposure for your film so send them all over the country all over the world to the smaller ones because what you could do is you could apply to or submit to 10 film festivals around the world for the cost of submitting to sundance where the chance of you getting in is not that good now i'm not saying if you really believe in your film you shouldn't uh you know submit to sundance but just be realistic with what you got
1: yeah and you also need to do your research because not all film festivals will you know be suited toward your film so depending like if you have happen to have like a genre film there Mm -hmm. are like genre specific festivals that are open up to you but if you um you know have a comedy maybe you you know, you wouldn't want to submit it to a a genre festival necessarily.
0: And that, yeah, that's what we're going to get into next is that there are genre film festivals and those might be better suited for you. Um, just to get peepers in front of your, your film.
1: Yeah. And the, the cool thing about that is it's a little bit more niche as they (laughs) say. (laughs) Um, let me take a bite out of my baguette. (laughs) Um, which you did this weekend. I did. Yes. (laughs) Um, Chibata, actually. Oh, that's right. Um, <laughs> this went south real quick. <laughs> <laughs> We're but, talking about but you got, you got making blog ca- yes, <laughs> podcast. Yes, exactly. Go ahead. Um, with a genre film festival, you have not only these people that are like into films in general and filmmaking, probably, but they actually like love the genre. You know, they're fanatics mm-hmm. for horror or sci fi or fantasy or whatever the genre happens mm-hmm. to be. And so it's just even more um targeted towards what you're trying to put out there. And so that's always best. And
0: in no way, shape or form are we trying to mean Tiff, Tribeca, um, you know, South by Southwest or Sundance, but like me and Alex love horror, we love sci fi. I would be just as I would be almost as stoked to get into something like Fantastic Fest or Toronto After Dark Film Festival. Yeah. Or the Atlanta Horror Film Festival. Um than I would, as I would be, to get into the bigger ones, just because we love horror. So if we know, because it's like, it'd almost be more fun. Well,
1: it would it's, it's almost tough. be more fun because there yeah. would be so many, so many more horror fans. horror fans that would be really interested in your project versus like if you had a horror film going into Sundance. Mm-hmm. You know, some there will obviously be people yeah. into that, but um, I don't know. It's just it's just a little bit more of a broad. And and not only that, but if I, it, you know, it's double
0: edged sword, like. If we got into a big horror film festival, I would almost be more honored that people who live and breathe this one genre thought ours was good enough to be shown. But at the same time, if you look at Sundance, it's like people who don't necessarily follow horror are like, hey, this is good.
1: This is really great. Um, Kind of like crosses over to the mainstream yeah, a little bit. Exactly.
0: So there are, you know, don't necessarily think you have to get into Sundance. You have to do South by Southwest or even, you know, submit to those because of money. Um, there's, you know, genre, there's film festivals for every genre out there.
1: There's so many festivals. And uh, nowadays it's super easy to submit to them. Kind yeah. of It used to be really crappy back in the day because you had to send out like DVDs or VHS mm-hmm. or whatever. Which is more money then. Which was more money and it was just like time making all the mailers and whatnot. <laughs> but nowadays you got like Film Freeway, you got without a box. Yeah. All these different places where you can just kind of like automate the whole system. Send
0: them your Vimeo link with the password and you, that costs you nothing. Yep. Uh, no, no, no duplication fees, nothing like that. So exactly. uh, definitely look at those, especially in a no budget situation. Cause if you do no budget, it's probably going to be a genre because there are certain genres that tend to uh, lean more towards being able to be made with no budget Horror being one of them. Um, Sci-fi, not so much because you VFX and all that, but you can drama. make a good, yeah, drama. So there are a lot of festivals out there that aren't the big splashy ones that everyone wants to get into to go to party at parks in Park City. Um, that that will really help out the the uh, the word of mouth on your film and get it some laurels, as they say.
1: And let's not forget, uh, nowadays, especially they have a ton of festivals for web series, new media, all that kind of stuff. Um, so if you have not just a film, but a web series you can like get all sorts of crazy you know eyeballs on your film for, for that
0: and not only that, but if you look at uh, sundance's uh like application packet or their submission packet, they're doing v r stuff now oh, at yeah. Sundance, so it's like it's always changing um there's tons of stuff that you can get your film into, and you know it may not be the biggest name, but if you win best you know the best picture audience award at Fantastic Fest. That's gonna get noticed. Yeah, that's trust me. That's gonna get noticed by a lot of people.
1: Totally, and that that actually brings up an interesting thing: the VR thing, because it's kind of like, and the web web series thing. Yeah. But like a few years back, it's like if you're if you are paying attention mm-hmm. to what's happening out there, you could kind of capitalize on these new things that pop up and get into mm-hmm. festivals a little bit easier because the competition's not there, you know. Mm-hmm. Like we were, we, we worked on a, a, a VR project that got into the Sundance VR lab. Yeah. And, uh, it was, I mean, it was a good VR project. It was mm-hmm. cool. It was like a monster smash, like a Old Godzilla. Old school
0: Godzilla suit. Like, yeah.
1: Just smashing through like yeah. miniatures and stuff. It was awesome. Tanks right?
0: shooting at it. Uh, power lines blown up. It was awesome.
1: One of the very, very few live action kind of narrative mm-hmm. VR things at the time. So of course it got in.
0: Yeah, exactly. And, and so you have something like that. It's funny that we talk about VR at Sundance. You know, everyone thinks of film festival screenings like this huge crowd of, um, you know, people all get into the theater together to watch a movie together. And of course, immediately my my brain, I just picture a VR screening with it's just like 100 people in a room with VR goggles on, like walking around. <laughs> I don't know if anybody has ever heard of uh, silent disco, but it's this thing that they do a lot in LA where everyone gets headphones and they're all tuned to the same frequency so the music plays. The same music plays for everyone, but nobody outside who doesn't have headphones can hear the music. So you just walk and you see these people dancing to no music and just busting a move. Uh, they do it on the Santa Monica Pier. They've done it at a couple theaters in downtown. I just imagine walking into a screening of a quote-unquote screening of a VR project and it's just all the it's silent, with like, you know, people running into each other and.
1: Yeah. Well, I went to uh, a couple of years ago. I went to the Vail Film Festival, and it. Ooh. ooh and they had a vr section and it was basically these tents uh-huh. uh and you walk in these tents and you kind of you sit down in a chair so you're not like going to hurt yourself <laughs> or anyone that else that sounds
0: smarter than my idea
1: but yeah it's just this kind of like weird uh tent situation where you walk in and you see everyone just sitting at these little chairs by themselves, like looking around, feeling in space. And it's pretty funny.
0: (laughs) Oh, I guess that's, I guess that works. I like my idea better. It just sounds like a better visual. Yeah. So then, okay. So the question becomes, what should you expect from a film festival? When you apply or let's, okay. First, when you apply, what should you expect?
1: Well, you should expect some kind of communication. Actually, what you should do is communicate first off you know you shouldn't necessarily just kind of be a passive uh submitter um you should try to reach out to the festival director or whoever's like in charge of the programming mm-hmm. ask questions you know especially before you actually submit you can do that and make sure that your film's kind of a good fit for the festival yep. or see kind of like what they uh are programming for that year yep if they have any special sections you know like um festivals will do certain things sometimes where you know based on current trends or current events or whatever they'll have like a a special night devoted to like women in film so if you happen to be like a female filmmaker and you know about that you could kind of like sort of hedge your bets on on that kind of info Yep um but then also uh just communicating and seeing like what the process is how long it takes um how many judges there are, like what they're looking for. Like keep, you can ask all these questions if you want to and they might not answer them. But keep in
0: mind that that for these bigger film festivals, these are actually they have people who work on this full time year round. So yes. you you're not interrupting or annoying someone who has another job that they're working with and then doing this on the side. Like they are organizing this entire thing a year out, sometimes two years out, so they're more than happy to talk to you because this is that's their main job. That's their only job is to put this festival together. And again, they want to get the best films in there because it just highlights how good their film festival is, which means they get more support, which means they get more sponsors, which means they make more money. So it doesn't hurt just to reach out. They may not answer, but for the most part, they tend to.
1: And I think, uh, it's a good idea to sort of open the gates of conversation that way. When it comes time to, for them to make the selections, even if you don't get selected, you'll, uh, have the opportunity to possibly ask for feedback and things like that. Mm-hmm. Um, and they'll already be in contact with you and know who you are. So you won't just sort of like come out of the blue at them and be like, Oh, Hey, I saw you didn't select me. Why not? And then they're like, Oh God, another guy who's just like mad at us. But um,
0: <laughs> especially if you're a new filmmaker, if this is your first feature you've done or the first time you've ever submitted to it with a short or a feature. Just get, let them get to know you and and you know what people are nice if they if they like you and they like talking to you they'll probably cut you a little slack on something,
1: yeah, so I would definitely um say when you submit, expect to try to have a conversation, uh, expect to get a response as to whether or not you got in that's probably going to be a form letter yep uh, from the festival saying um that you got in, you got selected yep. or uh, we're sorry, we regret to inform you that just, we had a billion great uh, submissions this year. Mm-hmm. It was the most of all time ever. Yeah, sounds like um, all my prom date rejections so, that I got. Yeah.
0: We had a lot of people asking me to prom. Lots but, of form letters yeah. you got. Yo, oh, man. Yeah. Woo. yeah, it was non confrontational. So they just <laughs> kept sending me form letters to my house saying that they were not going to go to prom with me. Yeah. Um, <laughs> um, and then there's also stuff to take into consideration. If you do get accepted and you're going to go, um, know yeah. what know what to expect when you 're there everyone just remember this: everyone at a film festival is there for a specific reason it 's usually a Schleppa project that they 're working on if it 's not showing at the film festival they 're probably working on something and they 're going there just to network so just to mingle just to mingle and, and and to see what else is out there. watch some films. I mean, I like going to film festivals just to see what 's new out there but yeah but don 't be afraid to um kind of talk up your projects because everyone's going to do it to you. Um, Don't be shy. You know, There's going to be a lot of people who want to talk to you in general just to circle up a conversation, but it will always probably lead to the project they're working on because that's why they're there.
1: Yeah, and on the same token, don't come in empty-handed. Nope. Um, If you have another project that you want to work on next, it's always good to kind of have that as ready to go as you can possibly, just whether whether it's like a a treatment or a script or – whatever the case may be.
0: Yeah. And, and so that leads us onto the the next question, which is what to do there. Even if you're, even if you don't have a film or if you have a film and you weren't accepted into your submission, was not accepted into actually screening at the festival or if you are screening at the festival, what, what recommendations do you have for people who are going to, let's just, let's go with a big one. Let's go to TIFF or Tribeca or, you know, South by Southwest or Sundance.
1: Yeah, well, I think, again, it's similar to the YouTube idea. You can't just go there and hope that people see it. Yeah. You know, you got to be prepared. You got to set aside marketing materials, you know, like a budget for that. Definitely. You want to you um,
0: bring stuff that uh, if somebody comes up to you and they only have three minutes because they have to move on to the next event, you can give them a pitch real quick and say, hey, this is what I'm working on.
1: Not only that, but I'm saying marketing materials for the actual film that you are screening there. You know, like yeah, uh, yeah, like. It, it, but
0: if you're not screening, you you should have something in your pocket to give them.
1: Yeah, um, but also having, if you did get into the festival, having like a PR person
0: that helps, but um,
1: that's some money, you know. Again, that's the thing is people don't realize yeah. when you get into festivals, you got to have these. Yeah. There are expenses that go along with it. Not only the travel and uh, putting yourself up in a hotel and all that kind of Mm -hmm. stuff, and the actual, you have to actually pay to get into the festivals a lot of times. Um, You're going to have to pay for marketing, um, get people into the theater again, because there's, well, if it's a really big festival, there's a lot of movies playing all at the same time. So you want to try to get as many people into your theater as possible, and all the good people, you know? You want to like have people buzzing about your project so that, you the want, executives and the you want distributors, distributors and the sales agents and whoever are all, uh, you know, chomping at the bit to get into your film.
0: At, at, on Cinema Summit, we have an interview with our friend Michael Rousselet who did uh, do Bro Party Massacre 3. And he brings up a good point that they – Everyone at Five Second Films thought it was stupid to get a marketing PR person f- to push their film because it was just like a fun thing they did and all that, but they said it was the best money they ever spent. And that's the same idea when in, in, when you go to a film festival. If you spend money on a PR person, they're going to h- hook you up with interviews with magazines, interviews with TV, sh- you know.
1: Blogs, you know, the whole everything.
0: deal. Everything. They have the in to everyone who wants to talk to people. And remember, these places that aggregate news about filmmakers – they need content, so they will interview you. If, if, they can get a, if you can get a connection to them through a PR person or a friend or something, um, just bring marketing material and get, try every chance you can to get an interview with somebody. Talk to a blog. talk to talk, Get your project out there. Get your film out there. Tell people when it is. Usually what will happen is that if you're screening at a film festival, they'll give you some tickets uh, to give out to people. Give them out. Never, never go to your screening with tickets left over. Just give them to anybody say, come, it's free, Here, here's my screening, um, come check it out, um, invite everyone you can. Um, PR people, if, if it's, here's the best tip, if you invite everyone and oversell it, and they, somebody goes in there to go see your screening, and they say, sorry, we'll f- we're full, that's great advertising right there, even if they can't see it. It's like, oh my gosh, this many people want to see this. Yeah. Um, so get as many that's people almost, as you can into that, the seats.
1: That's what they would call social proof. Ah, oh. For your project being great. It was so official. The, the interesting thing about films, like we said, so it's all fun and games, but the thing you have to realize is it is about sales. Like at the end of the day, um the whole business it revolves around selling a product that people don't need. You know? Mm-hmm. I think about this all the time and it kind of like hurts my brain trying to think about things how to sell something that people don't need. Yeah. You know, because if you have a if you have like an invention like something that does something like a product that people need, like obviously you fill a need, they're going to buy it. Mm-hmm. You know, it's just a matter of getting it in front of them. But people don't need to see movies. So even if you get it in front of them, they they still might not, you know, want to see it or like watch it. So what's that like hook that you have that makes you special? among all these other movies. And that's kind of like what you have to figure out at the festival, after the festival, before the festival. It's like, that's your goal from the minute the film is done is carving out, how you're going to make uh, a splash in the industry, basically. Now
0: you realize that Drew Casper, our old professor, is yelling at you because in his mind, people need cinema. And people will justify that they need cinema to, as, as escapism. To right, escape. but they
1: don't need your cinema. That's true.
0: There you go. They don't need it's, your cinema. It's
1: flooded. You're flooded with cinema constantly, mm-hmm. especially now that TV and streaming are becoming so good. It didn't used to be that way. And that's why the industry back in like the 80s was so like hot. for for independent filmmakers because back then you could make a a crappy $250,000 movie with one like cameo in it and sell it for like $2 million internationally. To the bank. And so that just doesn't exist anymore Mm -hmm. because um, the barrier of entry disappeared. Mm -hmm. There's the markets flooded with content. Yeah. Um, It's the whole industry is just totally changed. So, Nowadays that's why people spend so much tr- so much time trying to build up an audience like that's why people go to YouTube to try to get the million subscribers or whatever or or on Facebook or Twitter or whatever because building the audience is kind of like proof of the populace proof of the populace but also it creates like the customers you know mm-hmm.
0: they they if they like what you if they like your brand which you tend to become a brand Spielberg is a brand. Yeah. Um, they'll, they'll follow you wherever. And so you can if you build up that brand, you can sell more tickets and you can further your career. Yep. Um, that being said, if you are also screening at one of these film festivals, try and set up a Q&A after your screening. A lot of the time, half to three-fourths of the people there at the festivals are filmmakers. And filmmakers love a Q&A with the writer-director. They can ask questions, bounce ideas off of them. Um, and just make yourself available, like, you know, say, Hey, you know what? I would love to do a Q and a after it. Um, you know, if you could bring a cast member, they love that too. Um, and just, again, it's just marketing yourself, marketing your project. And, and, you know, sometimes people may not, may be on the fence about, uh, your film. They may not know what they feel about it, but they like you. And so they'll, they'll, they'll prop it up a little bit because you were able to explain why you did what you did. They, you, you know, opened yourself to the audience to, uh, criticism um and to questions and A Q&A is a great way to just to build uh yourself up and to build your brand and to build marketing uh for your for your project
1: yeah and not to again go off on like a weird psychological aspect but like but he's gonna do it but i'm gonna do it um being up on stage it also sort of positions yourself as like an expert or like a uh A person to be seen. Yeah. So, whether you, you know, mean to or not, it kind of gives off this persona that, like, oh, I should maybe go talk to that person because, you know, the festival or whoever decided on these things thought that they were important enough to talk to for the extra 15 minutes afterwards. And, you know, that kind of stuff matters. Again, kind of like the social proof, like being, having your screening sold out again, just psychologically in people's minds, it's like, oh man, well, it must be a good movie then. Yeah. Even though, you know, maybe you just happen to pack it from your just tenacity. Yeah. Alone.
0: Yeah. And, and as we said before, when you're going to a film festival, always, always have your next project in mind. And I tell this story to everyone. I'm sure everyone's sick of hearing it from me. But, um, you know, I don't even know if it's completely true. I just heard it in film school. They said that this, uh, didn't even get a name, this guy at USC worked tirelessly on his thesis film uh, before he graduated. When he graduated and finished the film, brought it to Cannes, 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 Canada?
1: Gary Canese.
0: Gary Canis. <laughs> Um And everyone loved it. They loved it. Um, and, you know, actually, it was a short, it wasn't a feature length, so they loved it. And they all asked him okay, so what what do you have what else do you have?" You know he came back from the from the festival, came back to the u s and everyone hit him up and said, "Okay, we loved it what what do you got next and he hadn't had anything to tell them because he had been working on this thesis and only this thesis for the last three years, so always have something you can talk about that isn't what you're currently showing because while this movie may not be a huge hit or it may not sell to all the distributors that you want to. Somebody's gonna come up and be like, hey, you know what, I like what you did there. I want to work with you on your next project. And if you don't have a next project to tell them, you're they're gonna forget about you in, in two hours because they're gonna move on to the next person.
1: Yep. You gotta strike while the iron's hot as they say. <laughs> yep.
0: Is that a was that a whip or was that a
1: I don't, it, iron was, it was both. Maybe it was a metal whip. Hey Anywho, so what are some other uh positives about film festivals?
0: Oh, we talked about it, you know, a little bit about all the people who go to film festivals, but networking is like key. Yeah. There. They
1: have events they have specifically events. for it, like the red carpet parties, the awards ceremonies at the parties,
0: end. They have uh, They have, uh, again, because, you know, everyone wants to be the most popular kid in school. A lot of the production companies and a lot of the distributors will have parties, and they'll you'll be able to, you know, get an invite to them because they just want bodies to fill it up to show that they're popular. It's It's a. It's crazy to think but like film festivals are a high school popularity contest. Man, everyone man, wants it's to have all the, the big show too. Yeah. Everyone wants to have For the sure. biggest party, everyone wants the biggest screening. Um and so you'll you'll get invited to parties, um go meet people, know that they're there to to pitch their stuff and you're going to pitch your stuff and um it's going to be like film school all over again where everyone's just talking movies movies movies. Um but take advantage of it. You're going to be surrounded by creatives that are you know there for the sole purpose of talking movies and finding the next big thing in film
1: yeah and i would also like to talk about the uh the benefit of festivals for indie projects when it comes to distribution because nope moving on okay well i guess we can talk about breadsticks oh um, (laughs) ciabatta ciabatta um well so i used to work in distribution in in acquisitions Uh um yeah if yeah, you'd check, like my yeah. autograph, you can send for it, <laughs> and I'll send you a, a Polaroid of myself in a uh, and he'll sign, velvet robe.
0: And he'll sign someone other actor's name in his handwriting.
1: Yeah. Um, Continue with your story. So part of acquisitions was seeking out these films at festivals. Uh, so I would literally like go onto the festival websites and see what was playing there, Um watch the trailers watch whatever material was was available whether we went to the festival or not mm-hmm. uh I would still watch uh as much as was you know was out there in the open and if it seemed like a project uh that we would be interested in I would reach out to the filmmaker directly or if they had clearly a a sales agent or uh some type of manager or whatever I would reach out to them and try to get the screener before the festival even mm-hmm. Um, so it's good to even just be on the festival pages for that reason. You might get some people reaching out to you, but also what we found was for, especially for these no budget projects or, or low budget that don't have, um, actors, um, or like the big special effects or whatever, the festival laurels were kind of a big, a big deal for those those projects just because it, Again, it gave some some like social proof. So your project doesn't have the things that are quote unquote bankable, you know, traditionally. So you can't really expect to get big, you know, minimum guarantees from distributors or whatever. Um, but and you can't even really necessarily expect to get bought at all yeah. by distributors, yeah, because they're literally just thinking about how am I going to make money with this, you know, mm-hmm. if it's a great movie, but it has no. Uh, pull behind it or like no one knows about it for any reason whatsoever Mm -hmm. they have no reason to buy it even though it's a really great movie and that was sort of what was really heartbreaking to me about about the distribution world because i would get these movies that had like the actors in them and they were like you know so so or whatever they were like less than great um (laughs) and those were the ones that would always sell and then the ones that i found that i dug up from these film festivals or from these like little indie screenings that I would go to that I really liked. They didn't have any of those marketable things. And so, you know, the company would always pass on them. But, but if they had festival laurels, even from like the lower tier festivals, if they had like a bunch of them on their poster, all of a sudden they were interested even just a little bit more. And that's all that really matters. You know, you just want to like give your film the best shot possible. Even if it's not like, oh, I don't have, you know, Michael Madsen in this project, no one's gonna buy it. Um at least they'll be slightly interested and at least talk to you and maybe you'll get your project out there and distributed Hell, whether there's a, there's or not you'll make money. That's
0: yeah irrelevant. They they're so important that you'll see a lot of times People will just put an official selection of the Sundance Film Festival. That just means they got into the film festival. They didn't win any awards. But that laurel makes people
1: That's huge, take notice. Yeah. They're That's like, a big oh, deal. Yeah. That's a big deal. And it again, it doesn't have to be a Sundance type festival nope, to really nope. make a difference. So even if you have, you know, like a uh an official selection or an award from like the Ida Wild Film Festival or like yeah. you know, all these sort of like fringy ones. That people still might know, or maybe they don't even. It doesn't really matter that much. It's more just about the fact that other people appreciated your project. And so, therefore, it must, um, and especially if you have a lot of them, uh, yeah. it, it must mean something good. means that somebody
0: out there liked it enough to, to bring it in.
1: And enough people might know about it to actually be interested in watching it at some point.
0: Yeah. And, and you know, it, it's easy to say how great this all pans out when it works when you get into the film festival and all that and so it goes it goes back to in your opinion is it money well spent to to put your no budget film into a film festival
1: if you do it correctly i would say yes or if you mm-hmm. do it with with thought yeah. and care but if you just go around and blast it to you know the top festivals and you don't really think about whether or not your movie's a good fit, or if it's like really realistic that you'll get in. Yeah. I think that's a waste of money. Um, I think ultimately, if you don't spend the money and you're a micro budget film or a no budget film, um, you might, you know, not, never, your film might never see the light of day.
0: Yeah. I guess the question is, is what do you want to do? What do you want to have happen with your film? What, yeah, what, what do you want to that's do? That's the with ultimate it. question. And exactly. I think.
1: Ideally, you would think about that before you even start shooting Mm -hmm. it. And so, I think most people have the goal of making a film and getting it distributed, right? Like, I Mm -hmm. think, generally, that's the idea. They want as many people as possible to see their film. Um, And so, I think if you have a micro-budget that doesn't have, like, a clear hook, you know, some some micro-budgets make it, but the majority of them do not. Yeah, Um, And I think... But with that in mind, there are some, like, movies you've never heard of that get sold to, like, Spain and France and Germany. And, you know, it's like they they get out there and they get in stores and whatnot and, you know, they might sell a few copies. But Well,
0: that being said, if your budget's $2,000, I mean, a couple copies is all you need. I mean, as long as it's out there, you can say, hey, look, my film was purchased by distributors for the rights were purchased by distributors around the world. Look! Yeah. Look what it is, and and if you you spent three thousand dollars on it, yeah. If you're if you're in one territory
1: across that, that's, the world, that's great. That's kind of a whole different topic too, of like whether you think you'll actually make money off of a movie. Ooh, that's a like whole that. other podcast. But um, I think the answer is no. Nope. In most <laughs> scenarios, but it's in my mind again. Maybe I'm wrong. But usually, usually i 'm wrong, one hundred and twenty percent of the time yeah I'm dead wrong,
0: <laughs> right, wrong, right there,
1: um but are wrong think, about how often you're wrong, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but I think um for the most part if you if you make a film and it gets distribution mm-hmm. that that also means something, you know yeah it, it doesn't it signifies that you have the ability to complete a project um you know, from concept all the way to the end. Yep. Um, see it through with like getting a distributor and having other people want it. Yeah. Selling it internationally. Like these, these are things that like it's again, it's more like social currency, I guess. than it is like actual money perhaps for your next project where it's like, okay, now I've made this thing and I want to kind of jump off and do something with like a little bit bigger budget or maybe like, uh, I'll get hired onto a project exactly. because they trust me enough to know that I have the ability to finish and make a, a something that other people want.
0: I think it's safe for us to assume that nobody wants to do no-budget films forever. Like, you can do low-budget films. The Duplass brothers make a killing and do great work doing super low-budget movies, um, just stuff they're interested in. But nobody wants to do no-budget filmmaking for the rest of their life. And so if you go into a film knowing that, hey, I want to get distribution in some way or another even if it's streaming on an airline that is in Asia I just want to get distribution somewhere so I can see if people can see that I was able to take a concept from start to finish and produce a f- film that that was finished was out there people saw it because then it, like Alex said it leads you to other gigs you know you can go to someone and they like sometimes people just hire a director that's competent enough to finish a film because it is really hard to finish a film from start to start to end, because it, it there's so many speed bumps that you can run into. So if you go into a film being like, you know what, I want this to get distribution because I wanted to get me my next job at a higher budget, then a film festival will help you through that. And that's why it's a calling card. um You know, even if you don't even get distribution at the film festival, you you can go around and say, hey because maybe three-fourths of the people there are filmmakers who are working on a project that's not complete you can say hey i have a completed project look what i can do i'm able to take whatever you throw at me and give you something at the end that is competent is complete is coherent um that that's a reason enough to go to a film festival just so you can show everybody what you are capable of and maybe get the next round of funding for your movie that's $150,000 or $500,000 and then slowly build your way up to another bigger budget, bigger budget, and bigger budget. And soon before you know it, you know, they're begging you to come to the Sundance Film Festival with your next project.
1: Yep. Sounds about right.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I don't know. Is there anything else you want to talk about about film festivals?
1: Film festivals. I don't think so. I think we covered it as much as we can right now. Yeah,
0: I think a lot of people... There's two th- ways that people look at it. A lot of people still look at it at the esteem of like, Sundance and all that, and like they got to get in the big ones. And other people look at it as like, I don't need f- film festivals anymore because I have YouTube. Film festivals are great. You don't need to go into the big ones. You can do the genre ones. You can do the smaller ones, because when it comes down to it, get as many people seeing your film as possible. Get those laurels. Push it out there. Make it your calling card. Moves you on to the next project. And, you know, it may be it may be worth... Spending $3,000 on festival entry fees on a $2,000 film, as long as the end result is that you get to make another film. Well said. Hey, thanks. Thanks. Uh, so on to what's cool. Yeah, what's cool? Well, what I think is cool is, um, you know, this was announced at um, uh, CES. It,
1: Consumer Electronics Show in do Las do Vegas. Do
0: do 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 do, which we didn't go to this year. <sighs> we would have spent too much money pre-orders um but what it is is the dji ronin s single-handed stabilizer
1: so yes those things are becoming very popular those single-handed stabilizers
0: (laughs) and um for anyone who doesn't know what this is it kind of looks if you know what the dji osmo looks like where it has kind of their um drone cameras on top their uh uh, on top X5, of the yeah. yeah, the X5 camera on top. This is just a single-handed pod that is a built-in stabilizer, but it can take a DSLR, um, and it will accommodate something that is a little bit larger, um, eight pounds. So that's pretty not you know, bad. Not bad. Um, and it will you can walk, run around with it. Um, it's going to have accessories
1: with it. Um, it's interesting because there's a lot of these out there, you know, like tilt makes mix one. Yep. Uh, there's a bunch of Chinese companies that make them. I always wonder, and to me, we have we have the Osmo, mm-hmm. and it's very handy. There's and, there's a lot of really great things about it because yeah. the worst part about using a gimbal is yeah. the amount of time that it takes to stabilize it or like to balance it Yep. on the gimbal itself. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it becomes a hassle, especially if you're like switching lenses and your lenses happen to be... You know, unmatching, mm-hmm. then you have to rebalance every time, yep, yada, 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 but i 've never understood, or I, I just don 't know what the appeal is if you 're not using a camera like the Osmo where it 's just kind of like built in and it is automatically balanced. You can just pull it out of the case and use it like what 's the yeah. the benefit of a single handed gimbal? Uh, over a double-handed i guess it might just be that it's more compact and easily transportable
0: i think that's one thing i think also is the cost i mean this thing is only 700 dollars. that's not bad that's not bad at all and you know to talk about us because we're always just talking about us with the gh5s which we're getting in soon here you can start and stop recording on the thumb you Um, can capture photos and you can also pull focus with supported lenses so that's pretty cool. Yeah. So I mean, and they're going to come out with more accessories. So I think, I mean, what is a what is a Ronin? I mean, a Ronin, a full Ronin,
1: the is, regular one. I don't even know. It was like twenty six hundred or something.
0: Yeah, I think it was twenty six hundred. Like this. So you're looking at something that like the 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 Ronin two is seven thousand.
1: Ooh. Oh yeah, the big beefy. Yeah, big beefy.
0: But you can get you, like your you know the Ronin M for seven hundred dollars.
1: Mm-hmm. And that's the double handed one. Double handed one. And, and it's, it's a similar it's basically like the same gimbal, I imagine. It's just for yeah. two hands versus one.
0: So I think what it is, and it can, you know, it can hold eight pounds and all that. I just think it's it's more compact. You know, you, you in the running gun, you you really can't hide a two
1: handed one. That's know. true. It'd um, be difficult. People would be like, what's that guy doing with this steering wheel <laughs> out in the open. What yeah. a weirdo.
0: Yeah, exactly. So I mean something like this, it sounds like it'll be a little bit smaller. Um and it's from the sounds of it, they're saying that it can uh, hold speeds of 47 miles per hour to attach to a car. So,
1: interesting. Yeah.
0: So, using the optional top shoe bracket. So, I'm not, not hating on this. Yeah. Um, sounds and, pretty cool. And what we talked about earlier in an earlier podcast, this thing will support DJI's master wheels.
1: Oh, man. That's crazy. Yeah. <laughs> I just can't. Okay it's hilarious there's so many things that it just seems like so overkill um for like the little one-handed gimbal on it with the dslr for the, the master know. wheels <laughs> i know i know but hey i mean that'd be cool i, I would take it yeah and
0: sure. it's also it also is going to connect to uh dji's force pro movement control system
1: oh that little um yeah the little box yeah.
0: Yeah. Yeah. So it sounds like it's going to integrate with other DJI things. And we like, I love DJI. I, I, the yeah, they Osmo got some awesome. cool
1: stuff. So, um, I'm Their definitely. focus system's cool. Yeah, they got some cool stuff.
0: Now that we work through our finances, um, you know, maybe in a couple of years we can afford the $700. And, yeah, uh,
1: maybe. <laughs> if we save our pennies.
0: Save all the pennies. But I think that's cool. Um, they just, you know, this has been announced at CES, but now they're announcing the pricing at $700. Um, you know, if you want to go a little higher and get the, the two-handed one, the M for, you know, nine hundred, great. But if you want to save a little bit and then also keep it a little compact, DJI Ronin S looks uh looks pretty cool.
1: It's pretty cool. I always wonder. Um, so I am myself very guilty of this, Uh-oh. which is sort of leaning towards brands that I'm more familiar with. Yeah. Uh, even if it's way more expensive, but like I, I have heard there's a Chinese version of like a one handed gimbal. Okay. That's really good for like two hundred fifty dollars. But I don't know if I would ever buy it just because, I don't know, it, it sounds stupid because it could easily be just as good. Um, but for some reason, I, I, I tend to trust these brands, even though like the original Ronin had so many problems. But for whatever reason, DJI has more of like a trustworthy name to me.
0: Yeah, I mean, it's hard because, you know, I'm not going to get into the whole politics of it all, but a lot of the times... Um, you know, people tend to, the, the Chinese companies tend to knock off the, the, I mean, in all honesty, the Chinese companies tend to make the DJI project, DJI products and then they just kind of copy it themselves. And so it kind of works the same way. Yeah. But, you know, I, I'm totally with you on that. Like, I I think one of the things that holds me back is that some products now, DJI is, I think it's a Hong Kong based company, but I think they have support in the US. Like something that is made by a Chinese company, if it breaks, you're you're you got to send it overseas to get fixed, you gotta have somebody else fix it. Yeah, um, you know, there's I think it's also the fact that like a lot of people will test out like DJI products, there'll be a lot of product like reviews and all that. And so I feel that those are a little more trustworthy than just going with something that you, you know, really haven't tested out before or heard of before.
1: That's true. And I also think it probably stems from some earlier experiences where I've got I purchased things. That are you know, not knockoffs really. I guess, yeah, some knockoffs like yeah. those airy, as Aerie is what they call them or like the oh, as yeah, kino yeah, yeah. lights. Yep, yep. Where it's almost identical or whatever. It's just kind of like lower quality and the the they break you know a little bit easier and all that kind of stuff. But also, um, I got this little GoPro gimbal. Oh yeah. There's there's something about how so DJI makes things so easy. You know, especially so. If you ever have got have gotten into sort of like the earlier gimbals, and then also maybe like RC stuff or or uh, quadcopters or whatever, mm-hmm. it's not particularly beginner no friendly when it comes to things like power. You know, like the batteries and how you charge them with like the little trickle chargers, and then also you know. How do you know the, the batteries are you know only good long? for that
0: itself? Like yeah, just exactly. that product.
1: Yeah, but but not only that. It's like for the quadcopters, for example, from DJI. It's like they have their special battery. It like tells you how much battery life's in it. Yeah, it's there's like just it like added like convenience. It's like all these features that just really make to me. A huge difference and maybe it's because I'm just lazy and I don't want to learn how to do all that stuff or I just don't want to spend (laughs) the time you know trickle charging things when I could just stick it on it's like special charger that they provide and I don't have to worry about it it just tells me when it's done yeah um no
0: I get you um I'm, I'm totally with you on that I mean I'm always up for trying new things but I tend to always just go back to the I think maybe it's because we've used them before that we trust them I mean yeah. It's hard to to you know say well I'm going to try this one if I know that the DJI one is coming out it's like only two hundred dollars more expensive I'll be like you know what DJI has done me right so far it's true and well, also man
1: I I am like I'm a little sh- ashamed of this but uh-oh. I'm oh, a yeah. sucker for a, a nice website like uh-huh. you know
0: <laughs> all comes back to marketing
1: yeah it does because back before anyone knew what Movi was. They had a yeah. solid website they had solid marketing stuff, and i was I was like, "Oh well, this is a real company. it must be good like their stuff looks really good um and but when you come across these sort of like knockoff things or these things that are like a lot cheaper it just doesn't it doesn't scream quality to you, and that I think deters me at least because a lot of times that's the stuff I mean even the movies, even the Ronins or whatever like those are the things that fail on set, yeah, you don't want to You don't want to be in that position where it's failing because you didn't spend the money for like a really good one. You just like bought some crap, you know?
0: Well, also, I mean, on that sense is like going to customer service on some of these companies. Like, you know, when you're emailing them to find out about a product before you buy it and they don't get back to you right away or they don't really answer your question. I'm just like, "Eh." because if I'm on set and I need to call these people to fix something or to figure out something, and there's either no documentation or i can't get a hold of them or their customer service isn't that great. Like i I probably won't buy that product because like you said, the gimbal is usually what first fails on a on a set because there's so many moving parts, somebody didn't charge the battery or something. And if i can't call somebody or talk to somebody and say, "Hey, what's going on with your product?" that turns me off right away.
1: Yep. Totally.
0: Wow, that was a long drawn out thing for the Ronin
1: <laughs> for the Ronin S. All right. Well, the next one, uh what's cool? Uh, film pack
0: film pack level film pack is love this really cool
1: them. company that makes uh they provide stock footage and there's this whole new kind of wave of companies that do this kind of subscription model i guess when it comes to or i don't know it's just like discounted when it comes to yeah, no, you're, licensing, not paying, yeah you're not paying a per item a per video yeah. license fee in the they, old school way um which was always annoying to me you know like oh <laughs> uh, I have to spend two hundred dollars on this one video to license it for my, you know, little project or whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, but Film Pack offers packs of uh, stock footage in different sort of categories or whatever. Uh, you can also buy collections, which are multiple packs mm-hmm. together. Mm-hmm. Uh, but the packs themselves are like ninety nine bucks or so. Um, the collections vary depending on how many packs are in them, but it's relatively affordable, and you get like. I think the packs come with like eighty clips or something like that. Yeah. You so you're, you're getting a lot of good stuff. Mm-hmm. Um. And we actually have a a discount code. What? For you, crazy. If you guys want, you know,
0: you can buy it for my birthday,
1: mom. Yeah. So if you go to nobudgetfilmmaking dot com slash film pack f i l no f i l m p a c film pack. Okay. Uh, you can use the code GoFilmPack for ten percent off.
0: Ten percent off. Yeah, which is
1: awesome. Which is awesome. And FilmPack, I would like to say, is not sponsoring this episode. No, uh, they did not ask us to do this. No, but we are affiliates. So if you want to support us, yeah, uh, in the podcast, we do get a small cut of the the money uh, that you spend there. So it's yeah. it's a nice way to get. Kill two birds with one stone, as it were. Yeah. Support us, help us make this podcast even better, footage. and get some sweet stock footage. Um, yeah, and then also
0: there is Trello, which we just uh, started integrating today, which is kind of like a uh, organizing to do task list. Uh, it's like a project management project app. management app where you can
1: do, do uh, what are they What are they called? Boards. They're, they're boards, and you just put in. Uh, You put in different lists and different uh, tasks and stuff and you can sort of shuffle them around different boards. So you start with like, let's say a to-do list and then you have a done and you just like shuffle them right over to the done once you finish them. To prove to yourself that you're actually working. Exactly. And uh, I like it. I mean... I'm all for these types of things. These little apps that help you be more productive. Yep. But um, soon
0: enough, we're going to be w- using 50 apps to be more productive. We're going to, go to need all app. those apps. We're going to gonna need an app <laughs> to tell us which
1: apps we we have uh, to use. But uh, for me, it, we started using it for um, the podcast for mm-hmm. Cinema Summit to help us organize what we're going to be doing, like the the blog posts, the videos, the content, all that kind of stuff that we're going to be putting out to sort of get us. A little bit more structured with that, but then also uh, we decided to put up a, a scripts board yeah. where we have all of our script ideas ideas, and sort of like just log lines. And then when they move to outlines, we shuffle them over to the outline board. And then when they move to drafts, we shuffle them over to the draft
0: board. Especially helpful when we are not uh, both together every day at the, the studio. Uh, we can kind of keep up to date on what needs to be done, um, what needs to be purchased, what needs to be moved around, what script one of us should be working on or what blog post. It's it's a very handy collaborative, collaborative
1: tool. Collaborative. Collaborative. But I also like it just to see even, like have a, a spot where we can see not only where we are with our scripts, but also all of the ideas that we have. Yeah. So we can, because I mean, man, we have so many of them. On this like board, and I forgot about most of them. Yeah, you know, so it's nice to just have a refresher. Like, oh yeah, that was a cool idea. I forgot about. Maybe I'll start outlining that, or, or uh, you know, whatever. Yeah, I mean, we and kind of- there were some that we had outlined already that I totally forgot we had outlines for. Oh man, and I was like, oh man, we should we should actually write that. Yeah, because it's pretty
0: good. I mean, when we were we had talked earlier about making the move from Adobe Story. I remember going in there and backing up all of our files and finding uh, ideas that I had not even remembered. I even had to ask Alex. was like, what? What is this? Yeah. Um, and it was one of those things where it was kind of, it's kind of nice to be having it all laid out. And we can look around and see, okay, where has this one worked? Where has this one worked? Um, and And kind of... Reorganize our thoughts because we tend to jump around a lot. Like we'll do Cinema Summit and then we'll go to a script where I'm, you know, I'm rewriting the script, uh, a script now and then we have another script we have to do for our friend, um, for a production company. And so being able to have it all laid out is pretty nice and being able to see your progress.
1: Yeah. Plus, it helps with the Accountability Buddies aspect of it. Yes,
0: Alex and I have this uh, thing we like to call Accountability Buddies, where we hold each other accountable. It hasn't worked out very well. We're going to start that up. They're actually going to add it to a Trello board about bringing back Accountability Buddies.
1: Yeah, it's going to really, really organize how our Accountability Buddies takes uh, shape. And we're going to have so many boards that is going to take over our entire focus and we're never actually going to get any scripts done.
0: No, exactly. It's just like all the apps that we're doing to organize our life, it means that we have 30 apps to organize about organizing our lives and our, our projects. But, exactly. You know, yeah, so um, I think that'll be about it for us. What do you got? Anything? Any words of wisdom you want to uh, want to add?
1: Negative. Wow. I do not. Excellent. No wisdom for today. Not in this whole whole No that's true We
0: haven't given him wisdom yet So why start now Yeah why start now Uh, Thanks so much guys That's going to do it For this episode Thank you so much For joining us You can get the show notes For this episode By visiting NoBudgetFilmmaking.com Slash Episode 7
1: And don't forget To hop on over to iTunes And subscribe to our podcast And while you're there Give us a 5 star rating If you feel so inclined Because you really love us Please Please Helps us out Yeah It really does
0: And we gave you A discount code today So yeah Yeah That'd be awesome And if you have any Filmmaking questions ask away in the comment section and we will try to answer them um don't be shy just you know click a little uh, add comment type in uh, uh, in some words of filmmaking that you want answered and and we'll do our best
1: yeah we'll slam our faces down on the keyboard and respond yeah uh, also like our facebook page follow us on instagram at cinema summit and we will see you or you know <laughs> yeah. you'll hear us God, next time stop doing that later guys later